Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. Excited to be back with you on this episode. I want to talk to you on this episode again. I'm going to continue in the feasts and uh, about celebrating the biblical feasts. And I've just enjoyed uh, how we can parallel these feasts to our Christian life. And I really began to think about talking about some of the modern day things and what's happening in the world. And our world's in such unrest right now. But I thought, you know, uh, I may do that sometime, but I really felt the leading of the Lord just to be able to expound on the scriptures. I believe that if we want truth in our life, we want revelation that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And that's kind of the goal of this, these feasts, is to be able to look into the Scripture and understand, I think, in Leviticus and Exodus, when we read through a lot of that, we don't understand the feasts, and it carries over into the New Testament. And I think then when we read the Scriptures and light of Scripture and understand some of these symbolisms, the Bible will come to life in our life. So I want to talk to you about the Feast of Pentecost. That's where we're at today, is the Feast Feast of Pentecost. So the last feast that I did was the Feast of First Fruits. And so on, on the Feast of Pentecost, it was a day, it was a one day feast, which was kind of neat. They weren't to do any work on this day, but it was the beginning of the wheat harvest. So it's kind of neat because we're getting ready to come into the wheat harvest here in Kansas. They've already started cutting wheat down uh, south of us toward the Oklahoma line, and they'll be cutting wheat up here just any time probably yet this week. But it would be in May or June. So I told you before that the Feast of the First Fruits would be a harvest, but see, that was the barley harvest. Now this runs into the wheat harvest. And as I said, in the Feast of the First Fruits, that entire feast was consecrating, saying, God, what we're going to do, what we're doing, what we're harvesting, what you've given us all belongs to you. So that was the main thrust of that. But when you move into the Feast of Pentecost, it's more of a, sim- a sim- symbolism of, of a dependency upon God and the power of God to work in our lives. Remember, when we talked about for the justification, we talked about the Feast of Passover. Remember, they would put the blood above the door, and that was the symbolic of the work that Jesus done. And then also in the, the first fruits was consecrating ourselves to be used by God, not just to die to our sin, but then to be used by God in, in more of a sanctification. But when we come into the Feast of Pentecost, one of the main things that they did was a wave offering. So they would take loaves and they would bake them. This time they would use leaven. So they would use leaven in the loaves. And what they would do is the the priest would take the loaves in his hand, one in his right hand, one in his left hand, and he would raise them before God as a dependency upon God. And see, remember, when we're talking about an offering that's symbolic of Christ, it's never without, it's always without leaven, without sin, because he who knew no sin became sin. But when we see the offering, like the wave offering, and that they celebrated on the day of Pentecost, on the on that feast day, that was symbolic of human beings. So as we raise our hands in dependence, that's why we raise our hands in church. We're surrendering to God and his power to work through us. So see, when we raise our hands in church, it's actually a spiritual principle taught throughout scripture. That's what the high priest would do. And one loaf in one hand, one loaf in the other hand, or one cake in one hand, not necessarily a loaf of bread, one cake in the other hand, as he raised that, 
One went out to the Jewish people. One went out to the Gentile people. And that's what that symbolism stood for as he raised his hands. But the entire wave offering that was always submitted was always an offering dependent on God. They would take part of that. They would then offer that to the Lord. Then the, then the priest would consume the rest of that wave offering. So when we think about the the Feast of Pentecost, we need to remember it's a complete, not just a surrender, but it's a trust in the dependence and the power of God to work on us. And we see this in Exodus chapter 26. It says, in the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of the labors, which I have sown in the field, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is the end of the year, which thou hast gathered into thy labors. See, when you talk about the Feast of Pentecost, it's also called different things in scripture. So it's called the Feast of Harvest. It's also the Feast of Pentecost. There's several different names. It's the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, and the Day of the First Fruits. So it's confusing because we have the Feast of the First Fruits, but this actually happened 50 days after First Fruits. But then they call it the Day of the First Fruits because it's not it's not this as long of a feast. It's a day. But so when you see Feast of Weeks or Feast of Harvest, it's the same thing as the Feast of Pentecost. And in Numbers chapter 28, verse 26, it says, also in the day of the first fruits. So that's another another implication there. The day of the first fruits, not the feast of the first fruits, but the day is also this. So it's confusing if you don't know, if you haven't studied this out. When you bring a new meat offering. Now that meat offering, when they talk about that, a lot of times in scripture, of course, this is King James Version. Uh, it would, it would, when it says meat, it means bread. Meat is like, you know, uh, that you go to eat your, your meat, but meat is symbolic just of food. You know, all food was meat. Matter of fact, in biblical times, there was not a lot of meat eaten. You know, when they would go to the temple, many of the Israelites, when they would go to offer an actual uh, lamb or a bullock, if they or whatever it be, whatever type of you know what we would call meat today, that was many times the only one time in the year that that person got to partake of any meat. It was when you think about meat in the Old Testament, that was normally bread. I mean, meat was a very rare commodity. So when they brought those offerings to the Lord, it was even more important. But uh, you know, many times, like all these offerings, when they would do them. They would get to consume most all the offerings, but just one offering, they would get to consume part of that. The priest and also the people that brought that offering would be able to consume that. But it says, offering unto the Lord that your weeks be out, you should have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. So you shouldn't work that day. And so this this feast took place 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits. So we're at the day of Pentecost. It was 50 days. And let me go ahead and read Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 through 19. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and thick cloud around the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood in the nether part of the mount. So they were talking about Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai was altogether in smoke because the Lord ascended upon it with fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, which God sounded like a trumpet, and it waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by 
voice. So we know now God's getting ready to give the Ten Commandments. In the days when the Israelites were gathered in the desert, and then, of course, they went into the promised land. And later after this, 40 years after this, they wandered, you know, for 40 years. When the people were together, they really celebrated the Feast of Pentecost as if that was a feast for the time that the law of God was given. Now, once the people of Israel were scattered, they were no longer together and worshiped together as much. Then they turn around and celebrated that feast uh, that feast, excuse me, a Pentecost as then the day that the law of God was given. So it was on the day the law of God was given. They would give a wave offering, but then they moved into the belief that or just celebrating that. And so as we look into scripture, we see a parallel. If you've already, you know, you probably, if you know your Bible, you've probably already been thinking, you know, where we're going was Acts chapter two, verse one through three. Because when we say Pentecost, we talk about Pentecost now, we think of when Pentecost and in Acts chapter two, verse one through three, it says, when, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting and it appeared to them cloven tongues like fire and sat on each of them. And isn't it interesting that on the day that God came down and the law was given, we remember when Moses went up, and they, and they received the law. He came down. It was about 40 days that he was up there with God. So this, this timing is amazing uh, that, that it's how symbolic, or excuse me, how it's a pattern that you see of time. They wandered 40 days, which is a generation. So it's, it's and then on the day of Pentecost is 50 days. But what I really want to say about that is that, Remember, there were 3,000 people that were had to be killed. And it says, well, let me read it. Exodus 32, 28. And the children of Levi did according to the word of, of Moses, and there fell upon the people that day 3,000 men. So, so through their sin, through their disobedience, 3,000 men had to be killed. That was what happened when the law of God was given. given. They were killed. But look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So the back in the Old Testament, when the law of God was given, when we sinned, then we had to then be killed. That was the law. That's what God said. God said, get get the priests and get the people and, and get your sword. Everyone get their sword and kill them. And just so happened, on the day of Pentecost, there were the exact number, about 3,000, it, it said, that were added to the church that day. What's that mean to us? What it means to us is under the law, there was death that had to happen. But remember, all these feasts Christ fulfilled. So when Christ died, he fulfilled the punishment of sin. So what are we to do when we sin? And and I tell people this all the time. I say, and, and I'm I hope I can get this through to you. I tell people all the time, when we make a mistake, when we sin, when we're bound by something, it's not try harder and do more, and you don't have to beat yourself up. You know, you don't have to inflict wounds on yourself, if you will. You don't have to, you know, get alone and 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 be depressed and and feel bad about it. You don't have to do that. But what you do need to do is just simply repent and then surrender. 
Put your hands in the air and say, God, I don't have any capability on my own to keep from doing this. What did Paul say? Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And what else did he say? He says, I, I discipline my body. I beat my body into subjection that I myself may not become a castaway. So he dis- how did he discipline it? He surrendered to God. He says, I don't want to do the things. I." He says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he acknowledges that he's a sinner, but he puts his hands in the air. The apostle Paul wrote over a third of the New Testament. He puts his hands in the air and says, but through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Then what does he say? All things are possible through him. And so in when the day of Pentecost happened, that and, and all by the way, from the from the day in the New Testament, it was fifty days after the time that then Christ rose from the dead, it was 50 days after that time was the day of Pentecost. Remember what he said to them? He said, wait in Jerusalem. Now, that a lot of them had jobs. A lot of them weren't from Jerusalem. He said, wait here until, until the Holy Spirit comes to fill you. So see, there was a time of resting. There was a time of anticipation. See, it, it doesn't, when to overcome sin, yes, Yes, we should be overcoming sin in our life and areas of our life. You know, we shouldn't be going out, you know, and, and, and harming people and beating people up and, you know, stealing from people, you know. We shouldn't be doing that. But there's other sins, you know, sins of pride, sins of of, of talking behind our brother's back, whatever the sin be, sins of, of being able to do it on my own, that's a sin. Thinking you're good enough, you're holy enough, you don't really need God for a lot, that's a sin. But there's sins in our life that it's hard to overcome. But if we'll just take a time of resting, so it's not try harder and do more, but it is surrender more, yield to God, put your hands in the air and say, God, do it through me. That's the, that's how the power of God comes. The power of God doesn't come through a regiment. I, I read the scriptures. I, I read books. I study. That's my reasonable service. I do that every day. But I don't do that every day to try to get the strength so I can be better for God because I'm just an old sinner. I do that. I expound on scriptures and read the scripture as a spiritual discipline. Yes, to strengthen me for exercise. There's nothing wrong with that, but I don't do it to see the power of God work through me. If I want the power of God to work through me, it's not a working harder to get it. It's it's yielding more to receive it, the power of God. And, you know, I know we have to talk about this, you know, and I'm not afraid to talk about it, but, you know, I, I know there's different people that believe different ways. You know, you, you get filled with the spirit and when you're, you know, first you're saved, then you're filled with the spirit later. And, you know, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, I've heard people argue that and think that's like some moral bad thing. I'm not against that, you know, and if you, it doesn't, to me, if you don't believe that, I'm not against that either. That's okay. I think when we look at scripture, it's a very difficult thing to understand, but what we do know 
is that we have times of infilling of the spirit. We get full. We had a service this week at our church and I got filled up with the spirit of God. And I think Pentecost, I think the power of God working through us is more. Yes. If, Hey, if people want to pray in tongues, I have no problem with that. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a place to do it in the church. Hey, I have no problem with that at all. I think that's fine. But I think in the church, it can cause confusion. But I say this, a gift is separate. You can talk about gifts if you want to, but a gift is separate than a filling. A gift is separate than uh, the power of God. It's two different things. I have the gift to be a preacher, but I can get up and preach and not have the power of God on me. I've done it, friends. And so it's a total separate thing. So I believe it's this in this continual surrender If we want Pentecost to come, if we want to see people saved, if we want to see people delivered, if we want to see the power of God move through our life, it's this, it's this surrendering to let God work in us. And how do we do that? We do that through discipline. We do that through knowing. I'll tell you how I do it. I've ran into the brick wall enough in ministry and tried to do things in my own strength that I just get tired of it. I get tired. It's almost like, it's not like God takes me to the woodshed and I feel horrible, but I see when I'm in the spirit of God, whenever I'm yielded to God and God works through me, I've learned better. I'm still, I mean, a novice. But at the same time, I've learned when God's worked through me. And it's normally when I empty out. It's not when I fill up. But all the time, it, it, it's like a paradox. Uh, all the time, I'm working to try to gain my knowledge base. I'm trying to, and, and I'm learning through my mind, which hopefully then through revelation gets down into my spirit. I'm working through studying and, and revelation and praying for God to show me things all the time. And hopefully those don't just stay in my brain and my mind, but then they get downloaded down into my spirit. See, when we, here's the thing about the church today. We know so much about scripture. It's like we can regurgitate any spiritual fact, the Western church. We know so much. We've heard so many messages. We've heard so many things, you know, say, we know it's not by might, not by power, but by the spirit. We know those things, but do we know those things? We know them in our mind, but we don't know them in our spirit. See, if we get them in our spirit, then we will walk them out in our life. It won't be this head knowledge of something we heard a preacher say when we were young or something we heard the preacher say last week. If we walk, if we truly believe we walk in love, when someone wrongs us, we can turn around and love them back without holding anything against them. You know, love keeps no record. Love keeps no score. But we can say, oh, the greatest commandment. I heard someone last week, the greatest commandment is love. You know, it's real simple. Love, love, love our neighbors ourselves, and love God with all of our heart, all our soul, and all of our mind. You know, treat people how we want to be treated. And I thought, honey, I know your life. And, you know, you don't ever think that way. But I prayed for, I'll pray for is what I need to do. But at the same time. I, I, that's the way with me. I, I know, I know I make mistakes. I know I do things wrong, but I hope today I'm walking and loving my brother, my sister more than ever before. And just like that dear lady, she's a precious woman. And I mean, she means well, it ain't all her fault, but I think, you know what? I, I pray that you fall into a relationship with God, that you see the power of God work for and you witness for him. It's one thing to say a scripture. It's another thing to do it. 
if we're ever going to be able to to really witness to people, which what was the day of Pentecost all about? It was about witnessing. Hey, in the Old Testament, there was a great witness on Mount Sinai, but then on Mount Zion, on those holy mountains that we always talk about, another thing happened. There were 3,000 added to the kingdom of God because some people decided, hey, it 50 days isn't too long. I'm going to sit around a while and see if something happens. See, when I'm counseling people and talking to people, I'm, I'm by no means... Really, it kind of makes me laugh. I've said this before, but that God ever called me the counseling ministry because I'm really the polar opposite of that. But God allowed me a few years ago, well, I guess 12, 13 years ago now, to start meeting with people and just showing up, studying and doing all I can do, but just showing up with the anticipation of saying, God, what are you going to do today? How are you going to witness to these people today? And I invite and I pray and I say, God, please help me. And, and you know, I'm not the greatest, but I'll tell you what, there's not many people in the kingdom of God that sit down with people anymore that want to walk through their problems and get down in the trenches with them. And it's not that, oh, look at me and look what I've done. God called me into it. He spoke to me. I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but he told me we needed that in the church. And the point is, no matter what we're doing, if we're getting up and singing a song on Sunday, put your hands in the air and say that I am a Gentile, whatever you are, if you're a you know, Messianic Jew, if you're saved and believe in Christ the same way, whatever, but put your hands in the air and say, God, I need your anointing. I need the power of God in my life. I can't do anything to reach these people, and I'll promise you God will work through you. I wish I would have had this revelation when I was young in Christ. I mean, I, I remember I'd feel so horrible. I'd read the scripture and didn't understand it. I'd sit down to pray and stuff would come into my mind that was, you know, would, would just, my mind was busy and I couldn't concentrate and I'd feel horrible and I'd thank God, I, I, you know, I'm not doing any good at this. How can I do it? I wish I would learn the principle of just sitting. And waiting. Yesterday, I sat outside. I, I left my phone off, and it'll start ringing early in the morning. It was early, and I went out, and one side of my yard shaded because it's on the west side uh, from my garage is the east side uh, where the sun comes up. So I sit out there in the shade, and I just sit there, and I listen to the birds, and I talk to God a little bit, but I just sat there. And I had to, it was, it was like a place of, you know, serenity for me that I need to sit from time to time. I try to daily. I don't always get it done, but several times a week I'll sit down and I pray, God, use me, anoint me, bring someone in my life that I can be a witness to. And that's, that's how the, that's how the power of God's going to work in us. Sure, doing all those things we do, going to church, but I know people that go to church, they never witness the power of God working through them. They see the power of God working through other people, but are we seeing the power of God work through us? And that's what the Feast of Pentecost was all about. It was a a dependency upon the power of God to work through us. See, God wants to encounter us again and again and again, and he wants to fill us up again and again and again. That's what God wants to do. He wants to fill us continually with the Spirit of God. In the Bible, remember what the Bible says. It says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we get filled with the Spirit of God and we walk in the love of God, it's not just head knowledge, but it's, it's spirit knowledge, it's heart knowledge, we will become more like Him because we will know Him 
and the power of his resurrection. We'll know him because he knows us. He says, anybody, I stand at the door and knock. And he says, I will come into him. If we will open the door, he will come into us. That's not just for salvation, folks. That's for the power of God to work through us. The church today, he says, I give you power to tread on serpents. And, you know, he gives us power to heal the sick. I believe this with all my heart. We're in a nation of sick people. What's going on in our world is a sickness. It's a sin sickness. And they need healing. They need people, the power of God working through them. I believe if we'll surrender enough, and we'll say, God, when you was raised from the dead, and then you had, you know, you had to die. And on that great day on Mount Zion, when 3,000 people were added, and the tongues of fire, remember, on the Mount, on whenever they were on Mount Sinai, it was like a big fire in the cloud. But on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when 3,000 people, chapter 1 and 2, then there were there were flames of fire on each individual Christian. That's the church. It went from a holy fire as a whole to an individual fire within. So my challenge to you today, Christian, is do you feel the fire of God in your heart, in your life, in your spirit? Are you affecting people for the kingdom of God in whatever aspect? It may be one person. It may be 10 people. You may be talking to one or two or the thousands, but is the power of God resting on you, that flame of fire, like like Isaiah said, it's like a fire, like Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. That's what Pentecost will do. Father, we thank you for your goodness, God. I thank you for the people today. God, I pray that you would be with these people today, that you would anoint them for the ministry. God, if this world's ever needed anything, God, we've needed the power of God on us. And God, I pray that you would anoint our people. God, anyone listening today, that they'd raise their hands in the air. God, that they'd surrender to you. And God, that they would see, God, that this sin in their life can be overcome if they let you do the work in them, if they let you do the work through them. And Lord, we praise you and we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you, and until next time, God bless.